Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 133 of the Australian Hiker podcast, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Light to Light Walk. This walk is located on the far New South Wales south coast, just south of the coastal town of Eden. The northern trailhead is Ben Boyd Tower, and 31 kilometres to the south, the southern trailhead is the Green Cape Lighthouse. For many people, they will do this walk as a two-day walk or maybe a three-day walk if you want to do something really easy. Uh, There are a number of campsites, both formal and informal along the way. Uh, So you've got a number of options about how you do this walk, whether you go north or south. For us, we opted to do this as a one-day walk. Um, And for those people that are fit, um, it's actually quite a doable sort of walk. There's not a huge increase in ascent or descent along the trail, uh, and you are making your way along beaches and coastal headlands as you go. So it's actually quite a good walk, and as I said, if you've got the fitness, one day is quite doable. This podcast starts off with a series of on-trail recordings that Jill and I did on the day, Uh, and at the end of the podcast, we'll discuss the trip overall, and we'll discuss options for doing this walk, uh, whether it be a one or a two or a three-day walk. transport uh, and accommodation options. We hope you enjoy. Good morning. It's Tim and Jill from Australian Hiker. It's Saturday morning, the 23rd of November. It's 7.24 in the morning. Uh, We're here at the Ben Boyd Tower uh, and the plan for today is to walk the light to light walk. Now, this walk takes, uh, depending on which way you want to head, from Ben Boyd Tower uh, and finishes at Green Cape Lighthouse. And you can do the other way as well. Um, And this is a 31-kilometer walk, which is normally recommended to be a two- or a three-day walk. Two days is relatively easy. Three days is pretty cruisy. One day will be a hard push, but we're not carrying a huge amount of gear. (laughs) You Um, always got to do it the hard way. We always got to do it the hard way. And for me, this is an opportunity to see how my legs recovered from uh, my recent injury. I've been building up slowly. I want to see how I go, go on a longer walk. Um, the thing with this walk is um, it's there's a number of things. It's walking along coastal um, uh, areas. We cut down onto beaches occasionally. We've very much got the ocean with us for most of the day. Um, it's quite funny, actually, if you go into Google Maps and do how long does it take to, to walk the light-to-light walk, it says six and a half hours. That's a pretty good pace at around about four and a half to five kilometres an hour, but doable. Uh, and from what I've read up on this walk, the hardest part of the walk is, is around about the first five to seven kilometres, and even that's not difficult in comparison to a lot of walks that we've done in the past. Um, looking forward to this walk. I've been trying to do it for a couple of years, uh, and it's been a matter of um, just having the time to come down. We actually drove down last night and stayed in Eden last night, and the plan was to start physically walking at around about 7 o'clock, and we did. Uh, we got here just before 7, and we've just spent time looking around the Whaling Tower, uh, and we'll head off. 
because we are doing this as a one direction walk, I don't feel like doing 60 kilometers and we didn't want to bring two cars. Jill's dropped me off here at Ben Boyd Tower. I'm going to walk south. She's driving down to Green Cape Lighthouse and is going to walk north and will meet me somewhere towards the middle. I'd say probably more towards, uh, uh, less towards the middle from her direction. And then she'll turn around and continue on with me back to the car at Green Cape Lighthouse. Yeah, so uh, Tim said we're at uh, the Ben Boyd Tower, uh, which is a whaling tower, and there's some really interesting history um, uh, around that and also uh, Boyd Town, which is just nearby. Um, the day is stunning day, um, a little bit of haze, but uh, pretty much cloudless and um, the seas are looking really good and we are right on the ocean. Um, the, we've got the no bites out already uh, because the flies are going to carry us away. So I think <laughs> for a bit of peace of mind, I might also have to get the fly net out as well. Um, one thing with this walk as well is um, we're doing this just after a time of uh, where there's still a lot of new, uh, fires in New South Wales, not as bad as it has been over the last week, but still a lot of fire activity going on. We have been paying close attention to what the fire, fire situation is uh, and whether the park's open or closed, and it is definitely open, but we're not allowed to have fires we can actually have gas fires, so if we wanted to bring a jet boil stove, we could have done. But again, we're not planning on um, uh, camping overnight or having a hot meal, and we've got enough food to cover us, uh, and we don't really care whether it's hot or cold. So we, we skipped bringing the stove altogether. There are some campsites along the way, um, and as we go, I will be doing some recordings by myself to start with, and as we catch up with Jill, we'll have a bit of a chat to her and continue along as we go. Okay, well, we'll see how we go for this day. Talk to you later. It's 9.36. I've been travelling for just on two hours on the light-to-light walk on the New South Wales south coast, uh, and I've done just about uh, just on nine kilometres in distance. So I'm comfortably travelling around that, that four to four and a half kilometres an hour once I'm actually moving, uh, which was probably faster than I thought I would. Uh, normally... Uh, I expect on uh, when I'm doing big days on longer trips, I average around about 3.75 kilometres an hour. Um, but there's not a lot of elevation change. From what I understand, uh, doing all the reading from the national parks and a number of blogs, the section I've just done is the hardest part. And not because it's, it's difficult as such, but just because there's more ups and downs and having to go down to, onto rocky beaches. And they were certainly the bits that slowed me down. Where I'm stopped here at the moment uh, is just past uh, Mowari Point um, and uh, I'm just on a nice sandy sort of beach and this has probably been the nicest beach that I've come across. Um, it would actually be quite reasonable to go for a swim here um, if, I, if I was into that sort of thing. Um, but uh, if I was doing this as a two-day walk I probably would have bought swimmers and, and gone for a bit of a swim and had a bit of a relax. But uh, for me it's... Uh, I'm quite funny. I don't like swimming in the ocean as much as I love the ocean unless it's around about 30 degrees. And the forecast for today is only around about 21, 22. So good temperature to walk in. Uh, A couple of degrees cooler would be nice. Uh, Wildlife hasn't been too bad on the trip so far. I've seen one goanna that shot off the track and up a tree next to the the track itself. Uh, And I think I managed to get some photos of that. 
a number of small wallabies along the track. Um, and where I just came off the headland, uh, just down onto the beach, there was a lot of kangaroo poo. So I haven't seen the kangaroos, but they're obviously somewhere. You can probably hear in the background the sound of the ocean, and certainly on this walk, uh, the ocean has pretty much been my companion. Uh, I think the furthest I've been away on a couple of occasions has been about 200 metres, but at no stage have I lost sight of or lost uh, the sound of the ocean. Um, It'll be interesting to see how it goes on the rest of the track. Most of the walk is through um, forest of some type, uh, I'm not walking through a lot of open, bare ground. Uh, certainly my worry point is probably the uh, the one that I was actually where I've had the most open ground area. Uh, but otherwise it's been pretty uh, uh, semi-shaded uh, and, and protected. So I think even if you're doing this in the middle of summer uh, in a 30 degree day, it would be quite good. Okay, I'm just going to have a bit of snack and then head off again. Talk to you later. It's 11.44. Uh, I've just caught up with Jill about 10 minutes ago. Hello. And we're just uh, at uh, Hegarty, the Hegarty Bay campground, uh, just having lunch. It's a nice shady area with uh, uh, some timber uh, uh, plank seating. Make do seating um, and some spectacular views of the ocean and the waves coming in over rocks. So basically we've done um, roughly about 19, or we've done about 19 kilometres in um, about four hours and 15 minutes so doing a good pace uh, and Jill started probably an hour after I did and she's done about about 13 about 13 so it's, it's both doing pretty good pace so really she took around about three hours to get to me um, so we've got about three hours left to go uh, which will be around about a seven hour trip all up yeah. which is not unexpected well maybe Google Maps is not that far out no, 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 <laughs> just half an hour um, so it's been pretty good. Um, lots of goannas, lots of wallabies, as you can hear in the background, uh, lots of o- uh, ocean and, and surf. Um, the If I was going to have a swim coming from the north, it would be at Saltwater Bay. Uh, that would look like a reasonably uh, big sandy beach. Uh, a lot of people in there surfing and swimming. Um, and we'll actually go back and look at the campground on the way back because we walked or I walked along the beach and I didn't go anywhere near the campground to, to get past that, uh, that area. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, the temperature's uh, about 19 degrees now. Uh, if it's been re-forecast, it was going to get to about 21 now. They've forecast 23 degrees, which is still pretty good. Um, coming from the north, I really haven't had much options as far as filling up with water. There's probably one small area, uh, but that's about it. Um, so the recommendation for this walk is you bring all the water you need with you but that wouldn't be my choice carrying two days or three days water if I really had to that's a lot of water yeah it is Um, but um, we'll see at the campground that um, is uh, reasonably close to the start there are big um, water tanks it's it's not it's not drinking water but you can um, filter it or sterilize it so you know it should be fine so um, we're walking through low um, tea tree and um, coastal heath, so a mix of those two. Um, the tea tree's lovely, it's shady, it's you know very pleasant and it's winding a uh, well-formed path or, or trail. 
um, through the forest. Um, the coastal heath is that the trail's a little bit narrower and it's actually quite hot. So if you were doing this in um, very, very warm weather, um, they would be the, the really stinking hot parts of the of the hike. Then they're not too long. Um, there are several times that you go through the coastal heath, um, but once you get through, you get back into the forest. So you're in and out and, um, you know, I guess you're not uh, doing a day's walk through the coastal heath. I think I've had about two areas at coastal heath, but otherwise I've been walking through shade, uh, through trees for most of the morning. I think um, you've got a few more coastal heath areas to come, Tim. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's, <laughs> it's stunning. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, it, it, some of the bays, the colour in of the water in the bays, uh, a little bit south of here, is just green, just in a good way, blue-green in a really beautiful way. So definitely worth the visit and, and to, you know, even spend a few days. I think looking at, um, you can hear the water in the background, but looking out where I can see bluey water rather than the surf, it, it looks really clear at the moment. Uh, I can actually see, you know, I'm probably about 90, 100 metres away from the blue clear water and I can see that it's clear from here. So. Uh, I used to do a lot of scuba diving and I think it would be a really good weekend to go diving in this sort of area. All right, um, it's lunchtime, so Jill and I are going to have lunch. I've already started, if you haven't heard me crunching. (laughs) Uh, I'll have a lunch break and then head on. It's 1.45. We've just gone through Batangabe Bay uh, and we're just taking a break uh, before we do the final six to seven kilometres to Green Cape Lighthouse. That will get us there roughly at around about 3 to 3.30 and 3.30 will take us to eight hours in total. That includes lunch and, and breaks as we've stopped along the way. Um, it's interesting from my perspective uh, that um, we're actually now off the coast. I can't hear the ocean or I can't see the ocean where for most of the morning it didn't matter where I was, I could at least hear or see the ocean, if not both. So now we're into into bush proper uh, and as we head towards Green Cape Lighthouse. Yeah, Batangabe Bay was a really lovely spot, um, well used by uh, car campers as as well as um, quite a few um, hikers, um, that we've passed on the trail as well today. So um, it's a really lovely spot, um, definitely uh, worth the look and uh, worth the visit. Um, this is a really nice hike, I think. You know, that's probably the uh, understatement. Um, it's got something for everybody. Um, it's uh, not overly difficult. I mean, there are some undulating pieces and ups and downs and so on, but... Um, it is a really, really nice um, hike. It gives you a variety of different landscapes and different terrain. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's we're moving pretty fast today um, and we're a bit tired, but we're really enjoying this one. Okay, we'll press on. Uh, <clears throat> next time you hear from us, we should be at the end of the walk. Okay, it's 3.10. We're here at the car park at Green Cape Lighthouse. Uh, finished our just on 31 kilometres it ended up being, so the uh, the map was reasonably accurate. However, having said that, we crossed the road and it had Green Cape Lighthouse 2.5 Five. and uh, Batangabe Bay 
Um, 3.5. 3.3. So that only added up to 5.8 when the distance is actually 8 kilometres. So don't know what's quite going on there. Overall, the distance works out well, but um, it's just a bit wonky at that last little bit. Um, we saw a small, what what sounds like a small brown snake, door Jildy at Ident. Um, so we've plenty, seen plenty of snake uh, trails on the tracks during the day. So it wasn't unsurprising that there are snakes around. Lots of flies. Um, Lots of flies. So, yeah, you need to uh, make sure you've got a head net or some uh, long sleeves or some sort of uh, uh, repellent uh, if you're going to be doing this trip, particularly during the warmer months of the year. The cooler months, I think, would be fine. So really good trip overall. Uh, really enjoyable day. Uh, so long day for a 31-kilometre day, but... Uh, my knee held up well, which was part of the reason I wanted to do it, to see how I, how it would go after my human hovel trek. Uh, so I think uh, I know what I need to do now to keep my legs happy and cheery. So just have to know, just have to do it rather than know it. Yeah, this is a really, really, really nice trail. Um, you know, we did it in one day, and um, it was a bit of a uh, a journey. Um, but there are all sorts of different ways you, you can do this and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more um, when we do the close-off of the podcast. But, yeah, it's well worth discovering um, and some of the bays and some of the little hikes in and around the, the bays are just stunning. <laughs> I just can't use any other word. Okay, that's us for today. Okay, so that was us for the day on the Light to Light walk. took us just on eight hours. Uh, And as we said earlier on in the episode, uh, if you go to Google Maps on this, they're suggesting that you can walk this in six and a half hours. Um, I think you probably could do if you're not having lunch and if if you're not stopping for breaks, you'd get away with it. But that would still be a pretty good pace. And why would you do that? Yeah, so I think (laughs) eight hours. I'm sure someone's going to tell us why they would do that. But, yeah, that's a... 30 kilometres and 31 kilometres in a in a day is, you know, enough. So I think uh, it's eight hours is a reasonably comfortable sort of pace if you're fit and uh, and travelling light. Uh, and as I said, we, we stopped and had lunch and we stopped and had breaks and I took lots of photos. Um, so comfortable to do it in there uh, in an eight-hour period. Um, doing it in the middle of winter might be a different issue. You've got a few less daylight hours to play with. Yeah, and I think um, when we were planning this trip, that was one of the things that we were quite um, uh, cognizant of, that the fact that we did have a long day, um, both in terms of the hiking distance but also in terms of daylight hours. So we, we felt quite comfortable that, you know, even if uh, we'd finished a bit later, we would still be finishing in daylight. Now let's go through and have a look at some of the logistics in relation to doing this walk. And the first one is you need to be aware of is you do need to pay park fees. And there are a couple of options for this. Uh, at either end of the track, there is a what's called an Iron Ranger, uh, which is a large heavy-duty metal post uh, with a, a little little uh, 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 box of envelopes. You fill it out, put the money in there, and put it into a slot. Um, pretty indestructible, uh, short of someone taking a large piece of industrial equipment against uh, in, uh, at it. Um, you know the money's reasonably safe. Uh, 
I must admit we struggled to get the money for this because we just didn't think about it. Uh, it's Well, we didn't think about the cash. Um, no, no. And, and I, maybe I could have written, you know, credit card details on the envelope and that would have been fine, um, but just didn't realise that. So we were scrambling around to find $8, um, which is the daily fee. So, you know, if you're going to do this over three days, then you need to make sure that you've got enough to cover you for those three days as well. I think also from our perspective as well, as I do buy an annual parks pass that includes uh, Kosciuszko, um, and that's just on about $200. And for the amount of time I spend in national parks in New South Wales, um, I can certainly justify it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, though, or, or fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, we just got a new car recently. Um, the old pass um, was removed from the old car, and I just haven't got around to renewing it. So that's that's one of the tasks to do over the next few weeks. Um, so come prepared for that and come prepared to having $8 in cash, you know, if you are doing this as one-day walk, or you can actually go through and um, go into a lock, drop into a local parks office and pay there, but in most cases you're just turning up to the site itself. Let's talk about the campsites, and there's probably two categories of campsites along this trail if you are going to be camping. Uh, the first one I'd class as the major campsites, uh, and really those ones are uh, Saltwater Creek, um, which is around about 14 kilometres from uh, Ben Boyd Tower heading south, uh, and then Batangabee Bay, which is eight kilometres in from the southern trailhead. Um, so it's they're two very large trailheads, uh, trail campsites they have toilet facilities uh, they have uh, fairly large campsites uh, they've got water tanks and the recommendation is that you don't drink the water but as long as you filter it I think you'll be fine or boil it um, and it's designed for car campers and you certainly will get a lot of car campers uh, in those areas so if you look after a bit of privacy probably not the best campsites to stay at uh, because I'd imagine it would be busy even during the cooler months of the year. Yeah, so when we went um, at the end of November, it was you know pretty pretty busy. Um, probably I don't know. Uh, certainly, Saltwater Creek was much busier than Batangabee Bay. Um, not crowded, so they're quite large. Um, so they can, they can accommodate quite a number of people and cars, um, but. You know, as you say, if if you're wanting a little bit of isolation, um, they're probably not the campsites to go to. And if you're wanting a little bit of isolation, I also think that it, this is probably not the trail for you. Um, it is. There are a lot of day hikers, um, as in coming out of the campsites, um, as well as the trail hikers um, uh, like us. Uh, and we saw probably more people on this trail than we have seen in a very long time on any number of other trails. I think from my perspective, heading south, uh, I came across uh, uh, 10 hikers in total and they were doing sections of the track. Uh, at least at least most of them were doing sections of the track. There was one group that was doing the whole lot, um, as well as probably around about eight runners, uh, people who are running either parts or all of the track as well. I didn't see the runners. They must have run out of steam by the time before they got to me. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was the major campsites. 
There are a number of what you'd class as secondary campsites, and these have very limited infrastructure. They've got uh, flattish ground, uh, and in some instances, uh, Hegarty's Bay uh, is probably a good example. You would be struggling to find a piece of dead flat ground at that, that campsite. Well, I did find one one site which was just a little bit out of the, the Hegarty Bay uh, campsite. It was quite next door to it, but you needed to come out around a little bit. Um, and it was right on the edge of the trail. Um, so you weren't quite in the way, but you probably would have seen a bit of traffic um, <laughs> during the day if you'd camped there. Um, but really nice site. Um, I'm sure if you searched uh, a little bit harder than us that you, you'd find at least one or two possibly flatter sites in that in that campsite. So there are some options. So if you, if you uh, we'll talk about uh, some suggested options if you're doing a one or a two or a three day walk in a moment. Um, but yeah, you, know, you you don't have to only stay at one campsite or two campsites. Uh, it really depends on the distance you're covering. If you do, uh, and we'll talk about that more in a second. In relation to camping, we're also looking at water. Uh, now we, as Jill said, we did this in late November. Um, it, we are. Uh, the, the the eastern coast of Australia and much of Australia is in drought at the moment. Um, there there were a couple of of water sources, but I would more than likely want to filter that water. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, there was one site that was had flowing water, but most of the other was other was it was just stagnant. So um, yeah, if you plan on camping overnight and you're not planning on carrying one or two or three days water, and that's a lot of water if you're walking for three days. Um, the other option is to drop into either salt water or Batangabee, get water out of the uh, the, the rainwater tanks. Uh, again, I still would filter, but that's probably a better option. Uh, it means you're only having to carry water for that particular day as, as you're going. For me, I carried uh, three litres of water, uh, as did Jill. Um, I ran out of water probably around about three kilometres uh, from the end of the track, uh, but Jill had plenty at that stage, so we were fine. Yeah, we loaded up on water uh, before we started, so um, that that was that's always a good option. And uh, we had a stack of water in the car uh, waiting for us, so we didn't really we didn't have to drive anywhere to get extra water. We could have, and we had planned that if we needed to, we would just drink all the water that we were carrying on the basis that we had plenty of water in the car. Now, in relation to walk options for this, and as I said, really you can spend as long as you want walking this track if you really want to, but I'd either be looking at doing this walk as a one or a two or a three-day walk. Now, in relation to one-day walks, uh, we started at Ben Boyd Tower and walked south to Green Cape Lighthouse. Uh, The daytime temperature that we had was 23 degrees, Middle of summer, it's going to be up into the mid to high 30s. Middle of winter can be quite cool. I've, I've spent a lot of time around the Eden area over the last 20-odd years, uh, and I have had temperatures approaching zero degrees in, in July, uh, and that's even on the coastal areas. So you do want to come prepared for whatever time of the year you're dealing with, um, and that means um, either having uh, enough shade uh, and water during the summertime or having enough enough clothing and protection to keep you warm during winter. Yeah, some of those areas around the coastal heath would be pretty exposed. The wind was blowing um, quite a lot 
uh, when we were there and it wasn't so much of an issue, it was, was hot wind, um, but in winter that would be absolutely icy and strong. Now, I still think from my perspective I'm as glad that I started off at Benboy Tower and headed, uh, headed south. However, if I was doing this walk in the middle of summer and there was forecasting high 20s into 30-degree weather conditions, I'd be inclined to start from Green Cape Lighthouse uh, because that section back to Batangibi Bay, which is around about eight kilometres, is relatively open and exposed. If you start your walk in the morning, you get out of the uh, the open and exposed area and you have a lot of shelter walking in through wooded area uh, for the rest of the day. Uh, but again, personal choice. Uh, and I suppose I would say one other comment here. Um, for me, the last eight kilometres from Batangabee Bay to uh, Green Cape Lighthouse, while I enjoyed it, um, it, I don't think it was as good as the rest of the track. Uh, but that's just a personal opinion on that one. Yeah, so it looks like I missed out on the best bit, I think, <laughs> <laughs> doing the car shuffle. I think so. Um, now, Jill mentioned the car shuffle, uh, and certainly the options you've got here. What we did was Jill dropped me off at uh, Ben Boyd Tower. I started walking. She drove down to Green Cape Lighthouse, parked the car, had a look around Green Cape, uh, and then walked back. Uh, and that t- that that meant she walked started walking around about an hour after I did. Um, and I met her at the 20K mark coming from my way. Yeah, I think I'd probably done just over 14 14- or 15 Ks by the time I got to you, which, you know, was pretty good going as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, you know, the options certainly are there. Um, you know, the other option is to take two cars, but when we're driving from Canberra down to the south coast, you're not going to spend three, three and a half hours with two cars. You're going to do it with one vehicle. There are transport options available. Uh, and I actually looked to see if there was an Uber service available down there. There isn't at the moment. Um, there probably is a taxi in town, uh, and there's also a transport company. And if you go to the written version of this podcast, the write-up, we've got the contact information for them. At the time of recording this podcast, a vehicle which will take up to four hikers uh, was $200 to drop off at the trailhead, which means you know the ideal situation, as an example, would be drop your car off, say at Ben Boyd, um, get the, the transport down to Green Cape and walk back to your car. And that's going to cost $200, whether you're, it's one hiker, two hikers, three hikers or four. Um, not cheap, but um, if it's a choice between bringing two cars or car shuffling, um, it's certainly an option. And I have talked to people who said they'd be quite happy to pay that just to avoid having to fiddle around with cars. The next option, and probably the most popular option for majority of hikers, is doing this walk as a two-day hike. Um, and this way, you can you know, you're av- you're averaging walking about the 15, 16 kilometers a day, which is not overly difficult. That's reasonable for most people. Um, it allows you time to take it nice and easy, uh, to have a really good look around, or go for a swim if you feel like it. Um, there are lots of places to go for a swim. There which are is really so, nice. Yeah, um, yeah. If I had have done this as a two two day walk, I would have bought swimmers and a towel and gone for a swim. Um, uh, probably either at Mowari Beach, it was quite nice, uh, or at Saltwater Creek. That would have been my two choices for for swimming options. Oh, Batangabe Bay, I thought was pretty nice as well, and there was a, there was a couple um, in between there that were also quite pleasant. 
So yeah, so there are plenty of options if you want to go swimming. And if you're looking at taking it really cruisy and having a swim or having just to wander around, the two-day walk is probably not a bad way to go. Doing this as a three-day walk is going to be you know, it's going to get average you out at about 11 kilometers per day, and that's a pretty easy sort of walk. So if you're new to hiking, you're not very fit, uh, you just want to take your time, three-day option's not a bad way to go. Um, but where you would stay, uh, and, I'll, and I'll backtrack here a second ago, on a two-day walk, I would probably suggest staying at Saltwater. Uh, that's around about the 14-kilometer mark in. Have a bit of a swim, then keep on going. As a three-day walk goes, I think if you're going to be doing that, you would stop off at, at some of the secondary campsites along the way. Uh, I think Leather Jacket was one of the first ones from memory. Um, and But you 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 really are you – you have to take a shovel to dig your toilet waste. Uh, you need to make sure you've got enough water to carry you through overnight. Um, uh, and then the second night, I'd probably be looking at maybe Batangabe Bay – uh, and then the third night will carry you, or third day will carry you through to Green Cape. Um, and again, you can you can mix and match there. There's it just depends on how much time you want to have do have walking each day, whether you want to swim on on the days or not, or whether you just want to have a long day and a couple of short days. Yeah, and if you're doing it over three days, you do need to think about um, your water. It was clearly quite dry um, when we did this hike. That may may not be the usual, but it was certainly the way it was um, at, at this time of year and probably has been for a while and will continue to be for a while. And, uh, you know, uh, Tim mentioned in the On Trail podcast that uh, some of the water sources were a bit hard to A, find, and B, were a little bit suspect in terms of whether or not even after um, filtering, you would use them. So you just need to think about what the weather's been like and what the likely water situation is and uh, plan ahead, particularly for the water, I think. For me, coming from Ben Boyd Tower, the first water that I found was at Hegarty's, uh, uh, Hegarty's campsite there. So that was around about the 20-kilometre uh, mark. Um, so yeah, if uh, if you you know on the southern half of the track, there's there's much more water to, to, to go through and pick up, uh, or or picking up water at Saltwater uh, Creek. So it's um, yeah, you really would need to think about if you're doing three day walks about how much water you're carrying and where you are picking up your water. Yeah, that's right. And even though, as I said, there were um, water sources beyond Hegarty Bay down down toward the south, um, there weren't many, and it was quite dry. Now, in relation to accommodation, we drove down from Canberra on the Friday night, took us around about um, just, about, just a bit over three hours, uh, and we got accommodation in, in Eden itself. So by the time we finished work and got down there at the end of the day, uh, we were um, arrived at the hotel probably at around about um, eight o'clock, I think it was. Yep, just um, before eight. And that was after grabbing some food on the way down as well. Um one of the other options that is available, but you have to be very organised for this, is there is a series of cottages at Green Cape Lighthouse or just, just near Green Cape Lighthouse. Um, I looked uh, and they were booked out for a number of weeks in advance. So if you're planning on doing this um, two, three, four weeks in advance, look at the cottages because it means what you could actually do is drive down to Green Cape um, stay in the cottage overnight, uh, you could start walking or some of your party could start walking and someone else could drive the car up north, particularly if you're doing this as a one-day hike. 
Um, but it's it's an option and an alternative um, uh, if you want hotel or or modern style accommodation. One thing that we haven't talked about is, um, you know, travelling with um, friends or family that are non-hikers and, and you know, they I'm sure would be happy to drive from one campsite to the next campsite, setting up your tent and getting ready for you to arrive <laughs> when you'd done your hiking for the day. If if they weren't into hiking, it's probably a great, great thing for them to do. There's certainly plenty um, plenty of interesting things to to look at and explore, um, so that might be an option too. Okay, so really, this for us, I've been trying to do this walk for a couple of years, and for whatever reason, I just just couldn't get around to it. Um, and you know, the weekend we did this, there had been some major bushfires in the in the previous seven to eight days throughout. New South Wales and Queensland, and we were concerned that the potentially that the park might have been closed. Um, we did check on the day we checked beforehand. We checked on the day that we went, and given that the the, uh, the temperatures were going to be much lower than they were in the northern part of the state, we felt pretty safe. Um, there were no fires within around about seventy or eighty kilometres of this site, um, and certainly there are plenty of off points on the trail if we had have needed to get off and and get a vehicle out of there reasonably quickly, or we could have even stayed on the beaches if need be. Uh, but it is something, particularly as you're going through in midsummer and there is a bit of fire danger around, you would want to go through and check. For me, this is probably one of the favourite walks I've done in the last few years. Um, I do like the ocean, I do like hiking, and having the ability to combine both of those is probably um, my ideal hike. Um, as I mentioned earlier on, up until... Probably um, Batangabee Bay, uh, at no point was I either away from visual or uh, from hearing of the ocean. Um, I could either see it or hear it for, all the way down to uh, Hegarty's Bay and down to um, probably even Batangabee Bay. And then from Batangabee Bay up to Green Cape, that's when you started to come a bit inland before coming back out onto the Do coast you know, Tim, again. you keep saying that, but, you know, I could hear the ocean – all the way, and obviously it was a little bit more in the distance and a little bit quieter because of that. And uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, I know you've had your hearing checked, but gee, <laughs> need to focus a little bit more. But still very good and very enjoyable. As I said, the the, the wildlife was good. The uh, uh, the bush was good. It was different types of vegetation. I think it'd be really good in and after a period of rain when it wasn't in drought. Um, so well worth doing, and, and I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, what what I enjoyed was it was still you know quite late in spring, but there was still a lot of spring flowers out, and and you could see some of the summer flowering plants starting to get ready to 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 bloom. So yeah, a little bit of water, I think, uh, probably would make this trail quite spectacular in terms of the plant life and the flowers. Okay, that's all for the Light to Light Walk. We hope this has been helpful. Uh, and if you go to the uh, written write-up of this uh, podcast, you get to see all the uh, images uh, and, uh, and and some of the, the scenery that we were seeing, uh, as well as getting a bit more factual information, All the uh, and as I said, the links to the transport uh, that uh, may give you uh, uh, transport and accommodation that will give you some options.
Next week's podcast, episode 134, we're going to go through and talk about sleeping bags. We previously have talked about sleep systems and talked about sleeping mats and sleeping bags uh, in general, Uh, but next week's episode is going to be dedicated purely to sleeping bags, uh, and we'll talk about the types uh, and what to look for, uh, as well as be releasing a number of reviews on sleeping bags that we've done over the, the past few weeks. As always, you can listen to this podcast and all our back catalogue of episodes at the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au, at Apple Podcasts through Spotify, Stitcher Radio and Podbean. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me.